from the Brainswell Media Studios, welcome to Ad Sales Nation with your host, Ryan Dorn. Each month, Ryan digs deep on the issues and challenges facing media salespeople like you every day. Ryan is a 28-year media veteran, an Emmy winner, a sales coach, and he still sells media every day just like you. Now, your host, your coach, your fellow media sales warrior, Ryan Dorn. Hello, friends. Welcome to the podcast. If you sell media every day just like me, you are, that's right, a part of the Ad Sales Nation. You're a citizen. You're a bona fide member. There's no voting rights or anything like that, but you do get to send in your questions. (laughs) Send your questions over to me at ryan at brainswellmedia.com. Ryan at brainswellmedia.com. We've got listener questions, all kinds of fun stuff uh, coming up. Listener questions uh, from Barry in Dallas. Al Sean in Chicago and Allison in Denver. Those listener questions coming up, as well as our friend um, Shannon McBride is going to be here from January Spring. You know, we're going to talk about programmatic advertising. I got a bunch of questions um, this last week at a huge conference about programmatic advertising. What is it? How does it really work? And so we're going to talk about that. Also got some revenue ideas uh, coming up from Mike Obert at OpenLook Business Solutions. We're going to talk about if you ever sell directories or supplements, things like that. We're going to talk about how you can outsource that type of work uh, to somebody like him and they can make you a bunch of money. So do you like making money, my friends? Okay, (laughs) I do uh, as well. And, um, and then we're also going to talk about 10 ways to boost your fourth quarter sales. I mean, just in general, what are we going to do to boost our sales? But as we head into fourth quarter, as we look towards the new year, what are we going to do to keep our sales really, really strong? So all that and more coming up straight ahead here on the Ad Sales Nation podcast. Uh, friends, I'd be a terrible sales trainer, terrible sales coach if I didn't have a couple of sponsors here of the program. So if you would do me a favor, listen close for the next 45 seconds and do me a favor, support those that support all of us right here in the ad sales business. We'll be right back. The Ad Sales Nation podcast with Ryan Dorn is brought to you in part by Digital Agency January Spring. If you want to offer your advertisers expanded digital services like social media management, digital display or search engine marketing, turn to January Spring. They do all the heavy lifting and you could reap the profit. You can find out more at JanuarySpring.com. That's JanuarySpring.com. The official CRM tool of Brainswell Media and Ad Sales Nation podcast is the magazine manager and the newspaper manager. This publishing CRM offers sales, billing, production, and marketing in one integrated package. Learn more online at magazinemanager.com or newspapermanager.com. OpenLook Business Solutions, offering media companies outsourcing solutions to reduce expenses in data collection, audits, sales, telemarketing, ad layout, and so much more. Find out more online at open-look.com. That's open-look.com. Now, back to the Ad Sales Nation podcast with your host, Ryan Dorn. All right, friends and fans, welcome back here to the Ad Sales Nation podcast. We've got Shannon McBride coming up talking about programmatic advertising, Uh, Mike Olbert talking about some revenue ideas, and of course, we'll get to your listener questions from Barry, Alshon, and Allison, all coming up here after we uh, take a little time to learn a little bit uh, together. After all, that's what the Ad Sales Nation podcast is all about. You know, friends, if you're like me out here in ad sales land, uh, selling advertising every day, you recognize just like I do that the end of the year can be a little bit tricky. Uh, What do I mean by that? 
uh, whether you're in the B2B magazine business, TV, radio, or whatever the circumstance is, uh, we do have some circumstances where the fall is great because it's the holidays. So those of you in the consumer media business, a lot of you really love the holiday season for money. But then you've got the same problem I have. People spend all their money. Advertisers give you that, I have no budget, my budget budget is all spent. Or now we're getting to that time of year where the conversation is, yeah, um, my budget is spent for the year. My new budget is not going to be improved until February, March, April, or May of next year. Um, so we'll talk about uh, that as well. All right, let's walk through five ways that you can boost your fourth quarter sales and beyond in the first quarter of next year. Number one I'd love to share with you is an idea that I've talked about a little bit on the podcast, but not in a lot of detail, and that is really recognizing that you want to create mini marketing plans. So idea number one of five is creating mini marketing plans. What do I mean by that? I want you to think about who are your 10 key accounts that you want to get this fall or you want to get in first quarter of next year. What I'm going to do is I'm going to use good old-fashioned snail mail good old-fashioned United States Postal Service, to send good old-fashioned letters to these clients. I'm going to take a copy of my magazine. I'm going to put it in a good old-fashioned standard vanilla envelope with a note and send it to them. If you're in the TV, radio, whatever business that you're in, I'm going to think about clever things that I can send, handwritten thank you notes requesting a meeting with maybe a $5 Starbucks card put inside. I recently received from somebody a thank you note as well as a pack of Big League Chew. And the thank you note, this is from was from Kim Kimberly at New Hampshire Magazine. I thought it was a great idea. It said, Ryan, thanks so much for taking us to the big leagues. And she put a pack of Big League Chew into the envelope, which I thought was amazing. I've also, at this time of year, I will go to Barnes & Noble or my local bookstore. I'll find business books that are heavily on sale, ask for even a bigger discount, and I will send books uh, to my potential prospects this time of year. I'm a big fan of 1-800-Flowers.com, so I can order popcorn and plants and uh, berries and things like that this time of year. What I'm looking is to get my name in front of that advertiser in unique ways, and that's really the basis of my mini marketing plan. All right, number two of five. This time of year, I'm using press releases or social media posts to create sponsored content Conversation. So I'm using press releases or social media posts to create sponsored content conversations. What I mean by that is a lot of times, uh, whether you're in radio, TV or magazines, newspapers, whatever, we receive press releases from people hoping that they will get some type of article or news coverage. Now, we know that for the most part, most of the stuff that's sent to us quite honestly, it's not really going to work out uh, for news coverage or be rewritten about in the magazine. So the idea number two comes from us taking press releases and coming up with a sponsored content scenario, meaning do we have a sponsored content package that allows that advertiser to get what they want either on the air or in the magazine or on our website or whatever in a simple, easy, affordable way. See, a lot of us, a lot of you out there, you have sponsored content programs, but they're, to be honest with you, they're kind of expensive or they're not really well thought out. What you do is you roll with the punches and you come up with new ideas as you need to come up with new ideas. I'm actually suggesting as a second idea here out of five that you use press releases and come up with a package system that allows you to very quickly say to someone, thank you for your press release. 
I've got a great idea for you to get that in front of our readers or our listeners or whatever right now. You don't have to wait. We can do it right now. Because I think they recognize the chance of actually getting covered in the magazine, newspaper, or on the air is pretty slim. So look to turn press releases into cash. (laughs) Idea number three of this is understand that if you want to really grow, you need to wrap your head around marketing success meetings or marketing success planning calls. I've got a client up in North Carolina that does this really, really well. They're in the B2B business, and they sit down with their clients once a year, and they have marketing success planning calls. Now, you meet on GoToMeeting. Uh, At that call, you're going to have the sales rep. You're going to have your digital person. um, You might have one of your production people, uh, perhaps even the publisher, perhaps a production manager, somebody in promotions or something like that, an editor, people of significance on that marketing success planning call. The whole idea is simple. This time of year, I want to prove to my advertisers their business is so important to us As a media company, we're willing to dedicate two hours or an hour, whatever you want to dedicate, to a marketing success planning call. You don't sell them. What you're doing is you're sitting down and talking to them about their ideas, their needs, their goals, their desires, and what you might be able to do within your media to help them in the next year or that fall. So I think that's important. Number four, as you're looking to boost your fourth quarter sales and beyond, ask for referrals. You know, it's such a simple concept, yet it's overlooked all too often, in my opinion. And that is, once you close a deal, ask for a referral. If an advertiser says no to you, ask for a referral. So if an advertiser says no to me, I'm going to say, hey, okay, no problem. I respect uh, your answer. And may I come back to you if I've got a new idea? They say, yeah. I say, great. Is there anybody else you can think of within this business community that could really benefit right now from what we've been talking about? Friends, you'll be surprised the number of times they'll say, oh, yeah, you need to call on old Joe over here. Joe would be a great prospect for you. Now, even if they say yes to me, I still ask for referrals because I think it's unbelievably important. And the reason I think it's unbelievably important is because there's nothing more powerful than a great referral. I mean, come on, nothing more powerful than a really, really great referral. All right, tip number five, as we talk about ways to boost your fourth quarter sales, is think about this. How about hosting a fourth quarter marketing ideas conference call. So whether you have a conference system or you use Zoom or go to meeting or whatever, what you want to consider doing is inviting three to five, maybe six advertisers to get together on a marketing conference call. Marketing ideas is the focus. And then ask each advertiser to simply come to that call with one idea that worked for them this year, one thing that they did this year that really worked well. Now, some of you might be saying, Ryan, there's no chance in H-E double hockey sticks that my advertisers are ever going to get together on a phone call. Well, you might be surprised if you couch it as a marketing ideas conference call where you're going to share ideas. We're going to invite six advertisers to get together, either you as the rep or have an editor or publisher or somebody, um, sales director, ad director, host this call and moderate the call And you're looking for everybody to come to the call with one idea they're willing to share with others. Now, I say once you get beyond 10 people, excuse me, on the call, quite honestly, um, that's just a bit too many to have on a call. So I'd like to have these uh, be a little bit smaller. The reason I love this is it gives you a reason to engage and talk with your advertisers one on one, 
and then as a group. Also, when you begin to facilitate idea sharing, it really, really makes you look good. So why do I share these five ideas with you? Why do I, why do I create such a focus on this month's podcast? Here's the reason why. Fourth quarter tends to slow down for a lot of us, and so we believe what everybody says, and that is that budgets are all gone for the year. Nobody's spending any money in fourth quarter, and I'm here to tell you it's just not true. It really just depends on how you approach that advertiser. What do you do this time of year? What are you going to utilize this time of year? How are you going to best utilize this time of year to grow ideas, to grow relationships, to potentially grow revenue? Recognize as recently as this morning, I had one of my sales reps say to me, you know, Ryan, the relationship sale is dead. And Harvard Business Review even backed that up. I'm here to tell you this. Sure, we live in a media environment that's more transactional than ever before. But don't give up on building strong relationships with people. That's why I love creating those marketing success planning calls. What a great idea. That's why I love these mini marketing plans as an idea. I love hosting fourth quarter marketing idea conference calls. I love to do things to fight the norm and to work on building relationships. Friends, think about those five things. Listen to this podcast a couple of times. I promise you, if you're looking to take your ad sales life to places you never thought possible, then do something you've not done before. Remember, if you keep doing the same thing over and over again and expect a different result, that's the classic definition of what? That's right, insanity. So don't do it. Get out there, do something different. If ad sales was easy, everybody be doing it and they're not so we're either crazy which is possible or we found our career that will feed our families for a lifetime don't just listen to this advice get out there and do something with it all right friends and fans it's that time one of my favorite times of the show where we do our advertising tech tip of the month and joining us from JanuarySpring.com is my friend and yours, Shannon McBride. Hey, Shannon, how are things in Denver? They're wonderful and so wonderful to be here with you, Ryan. Awesome. You know, one of the questions that I get, Shannon, on a very regular basis from advertising sales reps uh, around the country is there seems to be confusion on what programmatic really is. And we talked about it a little bit in one of our previous shows, um, you know, with charity. But I really would like to dig into it a little bit because I wonder if you might be able to share, since um, I know you're a programmatic ninja here. I wonder if you could share <laughs> with um, our friends and our fans here what really is the true definition. If someone says, I'm selling programmatic advertising, what does that I'm selling programmatic advertising, what does that really mean? Well, so programmatic advertising is the umbrella term for display advertising and specifically targeted display. So the average person spends about eight minutes a day on Google and they spend about six hours a day on the Internet in total. Mm -hmm. So programmatic advertising can reach them during those five hours and 45 minutes that they're in email, they're looking at sports, they're looking at the weather, they're in my fitness pal, all the places they go when they're not on Google. And you can retarget them based on keywords, based on location, and based on having visited your site. So it's a it's an umbrella tactic to cover all the ways that you can reach somebody online off the major search engine makes where they're sense. spending the bulk of their time. Yes. Yeah, makes sense. Okay, so I was on vacation uh, with my family in Las Vegas. 
I made the mistake of searching on my phone, on Google, for the, the, what it costs to have a home in Las Vegas. So I'm then on the <laughs> Fox News app, and realtors then are putting ads into the Fox News app that I'm seeing. So that is 100% based on what I did. So is that, that, so that is programmatic. That is programmatic, and that is known as keyword retargeting. Okay. So the way that you searched on Google, based on your location, someone is saying, I want to serve somebody an ad about my real estate services, my listings, my mortgages, my mortgage rates, based on specifically how you searched and where you were when you did that search. And that's what's so beautiful about it. And so the media companies... that precise. So, yeah, awesome. So the media companies that are listening to this podcast... They can offer this service. They can offer the keyword retargeting service, and you guys can help them launch that and deploy it. Yep, and it's got 100% margin on it, no setup fees, no minimums. Nice. Now, what is the difference, though? So another programmatic advertising mechanism besides the keyword retargeting that we just talked about then would be like, for example, site retargeting. So then what is site retargeting and how is it different than keyword retargeting? So site retargeting is when you go visit a website and leave um, and then you start seeing ads for that business elsewhere on the Internet. Um, 97% of people on average do not take action the first time they visit a website. And so by retargeting them, you can bring 70% more people back with a site retargeting pixel. And Amazon is a great user of retargeting pixels. Um, You may look at something on Amazon and then you open up your email and it's there. You go into Facebook and it's there. I I mean, it literally stalks you across the internet. Um, That is site retargeting and it has the highest click-through rate. Interesting. Now, can can though, if I search for something on my computer, is it linked then to my phone as well? Can they reach me on my phone or are those two things completely independent? Okay, I love that you asked that question because I literally looked up the stat yesterday. <laughs> um, device ID matching is at an 80 to 90% um, accuracy rate. Really? So you can do a search on your work computer mm-hmm. for something work-related. Right. Go home, pull up your iPad, your home computer, or your phone, and see an ad for that service that you looked for. Man, oh man, that's crazy kind of good. I mean, it's crazy kind of creepy, but it's really great for our local and our national advertisers. I think a lot of people think programmatic is really only for local people. Um, This has national advertising implications as well, wouldn't you think? Oh, absolutely. So the national brands have been using this for years. And the beauty about what we're doing is we're bringing it to local media companies that they can offer it to local customers and leverage this technology and reap the ROIs from it because it's so targeted. If somebody's come to your website, they're clearly in the market for your product and service. If they're looking for your products and services online, they're likely in the market for your products and services. And then the next one is geofencing. If they're mm-hmm. in at your competitor's location or they're in an, like at a home builder, they're likely in the market. So you can target them based on location as well. That's excellent. So I guess, would you say probably the three most popular types of programmatic advertising then would be geofencing, keyword retargeting and site retargeting. Those be kind of the three most popular. Those are the three most effective. And those are the ones that we implement as a best practice as an agency. There are a few others that maybe use 
that aren't as expensive, like contextual, where I place you near content that somebody may be reading, like around a new car or buying a home. Um, I haven't seen the click-through rate and the engagement rate as high, so we don't use that. We really see the keyword site and geofencing work the best. That makes sense. Now, I know in talking with um, some of the folks that listen to the podcast and that I'm training their teams, I think a lot of times when they think of reaching out to somebody like you, they're thinking, oh, I can now begin to manage people's Facebook campaigns for them, like advertisers' Facebook campaigns. My gut tells me, and that's fine, you can do that. My gut tells me, though, they're going to make more money with site and keyword retargeting and geofencing than they ever will managing people's social campaigns. But tell me, maybe I'm wrong on that. What are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, programmatic is so much easier. And it has, we're seeing, when you take seasonality out of it, we're seeing a 90% renewal rate. Um, it's super sticky, completely transparent in the reporting where Facebook, with all the changes that they're making, it's very unstable and it can be very time consuming. And, you know, when you look at the opportunity cost and the actual true revenue that you get, programmatic all the way. Oh, that makes but sense. But we offer both. Yeah, no. And so much more. I mean, um, you can help people launch SEO campaigns for their advertisers, SEM campaigns for their advertisers. I mean, really, the the sky is the limit. And, you know, folks, I know, and I want to be really clear because um, January Spring is a big supporter of the podcast. And and I really think these great ladies are uh, are fantastic. What I'm noticing, though, is that a lot of publishers, TV stations, radio stations, they just adding the staff doesn't make sense to do this. So that is hmm. probably one of the biggest things you guys bring to the equation, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. So we literally help you get up and running. We handle all of your um, you you put in your order like you would for your owned and operated. We take it from that point. We get it um, optimized. We get it running. We handle the reporting. Um, we help you on what the talking points are. We help you building proposals. We give you sales aids. It's really a completely in-the-box kit to get you to market because if you're not successful, we're not successful. Yeah, it makes sense. Well, friends, uh, folks, you know, I really feel like this is a great opportunity to grow digital revenue um, at your companies. And um, I just think these ladies are fantastic and they live and breathe and have for years without identifying how long we've been doing this, Shannon. Um, we've all Thank been you. We've all <laughs> been, <laughs> we've all been doing this for years. So, uh, folks, uh, reach out uh, to Shannon. She'd love to get on a call with you. Uh, JanuarySpring.com is where it's at. So we'll be back with more from the Ad Sales Nation podcast right after these quick messages from a few of our sponsors. The Ad Sales Nation podcast with Ryan Dorn is brought to you in part by Digital Agency January Spring. If you want to offer your advertisers expanded digital services like social media management, digital display, or search engine marketing, turn to January Spring. They do all the heavy lifting and you could reap the profit. You can find out more at JanuarySpring.com. That's JanuarySpring.com. The official CRM tool of Brainswell Media and Ad Sales Nation podcast is the magazine manager and the newspaper manager. This publishing CRM offers sales, billing, production, and marketing in one integrated package. Learn more online at magazinemanager.com or newspapermanager.com. Open Look Business Solutions, offering media companies outsourcing solutions to reduce expenses in data collection, audits, sales, telemarketing, ad layout, and so much more. Find out more online at open-look.com. That's open-look.com. Now, back to the Ad Sales Nation podcast with your host, Ryan Dorn. All right, friends, each and every month right here on the Ad Sales Nation podcast, we fire up the line and uh, dial in to Texas. Everything's bigger in Texas. 
And sort of the ideas from Mike Obert from Open Look uh, Business Solutions. And, you know, Mike, I was talking with a, um, a publishing client of mine yesterday about a directory project. And this is what they said to me. And give me your thoughts because I think you can help. And I think the Ad Sales Nation will really like this idea as well. So here's what he said to me. He's like, Ryan, I have my senior level sellers uh, working on a directory project. So we've got 700 people in the directory. And then what they're doing is they're calling these people in the directory to verify that the people's information is correct and then trying to upsell them to logos and things like that. And the people in the room, Mike, the people in the room were like groaning, like, oh, my gosh, I have so much better things to do than be calling on directories. Save me. Save me. I don't want to do that. I know. So it really is. Honestly, it's a waste of a senior seller's time to be calling on directories. So I'd love for you to share with me, how could you help this publisher? I know you helped me in the past when I was a publisher as well. So what do you kind of do in that circumstance to really help all these salespeople out there in the ad sales nation make the money they need to make, but not have to make all of these calls to little teeny tiny directory people? Right. You got it. And thanks for having me again, Ryan. This is probably one of the highlights of my month. (laughs) Um, That's uh, so anyways, we'll, uh, for the directory, what we are doing with uh, some of our current customers and, and publishers is, you're right, you don't want your senior level person uh, calling you know, 500 to 700 people within a four to six week period to sell a, let's say, a $495 ad or a nine, $995 enhancement in a directory. So what we'll do at Open Look is take that list. Um, and we'll have our team call that list and warm up leads, either doing the lead generation for the uh, for the uh, salespeople, and then they will call and follow up on that. Or we even have closed uh, closed some of these accounts for people. So we're doing all the heavy lifting. Um, our agents are doing anywhere between 150 to 200 calls per day. Wow. So a list of a thousand uh, with one to two agents is only going to take us three to four days to get through. Um, which I know most uh, senior level people, <laughs> they've got a lot of stuff to do. You know, they've got a lot of account maintenance to do. They've got a lot of follow ups. Um, so they don't have the time to be able to sit and dedicate 40 hours in a week to call, you know, a thousand people to where our people can knock that out in two to three days and then, you know, convert, allow that senior salesperson, you know, to convert 15, 20, 25 percent of those leads that that we're handing over to them. Yeah, it makes sense. So one of the projects you did for me uh, for the Journal of Emergency Medical Services, great magazine, uh, by the way, H.A. Heitman and that clan, they do a great job. And one of the things you did for me is your folks would call and they'd simply say, um, hi, John Doe, this is so-and-so uh, calling on behalf of Gems Magazine, want to validate the information in the directory is correct and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, by the way, would you like to add your logo to that directory listing? If the advertiser said, yeah, then your agent then would say, great, I'm going to have John Doe or whoever. I'm going to have you know Bob Jones, your salesperson, get in touch with you. Then your agent yep. sent an email to my salesperson. That person then called the person to collect the credit card um, and yep. all that kind of stuff. It was really effective. Um, our bill was was really low. And I don't know, I think we sold like five grand uh, worth of enhancements. Is that yeah, how you exactly. typically do it? Something like that? That's exactly how you, you lead off with a, a kind of a verification validation. You're calling for a specific directory or something that that person or that company that you're calling that, that they want to be a part of. Um, and then you go in for the upsell. 
And, uh, you know, you're getting, you're killing two birds with one stone. You're validating, making sure that you've got the most up-to-date information for that particular directory. And then the second point is how can I, uh, generate more revenue? How can I, how can I maximize this phone call and, you know, not allow my senior salesperson to do that typical database validation that, that they just don't want to do. Yeah, no, and it's, and and also it's, it's one part is they don't want to do it. (laughs) The second part is. Is it a good use of your of your seller's time to be selling uh, these little teeny tiny ads? I had a publisher say to me, I love the fact that it requires them to reach out because then they're talking to all these smaller accounts and maybe upselling them to bigger ads and things like that. I'm here, friends, out there in the ad sales nation. I'm here to tell you that very rarely happens. Um, directory sales are usually small. They're time-consuming. But if you do it efficiently – all of a sudden, you know, you're really making some, you know, some money on it. Now, what about trade shows? What do you guys do? Right. For- yeah. And I was about to say other examples besides just doing directories, because uh, some a lot of companies do uh, some sort of trade show uh, issue or, mm-hmm. or something like that, that, again, they've got a list of exhibitors and, you know, they, they need to get through a thousand exhibitors to see if they want to advertise in that beefed up issue or beefed up edition uh, so we've done a lot of those projects of calling exhibitors uh, or people that are, are related to that show to see if you can sell them some sort of advertising or or something uh, related to that show. Yeah. Now, so all the uh, sales reps that are listening to the podcast this month, here's what you do. Here's the secret. OK, you've heard about this. So make it your own. Make it your idea. Go to your boss and be like, OK, I've got an idea for you. And it may take a little bit of salesmanship. Um, but I think that a lot of the publishers or sales managers out there, Mike, they really think that this is very, very expensive. It's not. So just in general, kind of from a ballpark perspective, if we're calling on, you know, 700, 1,000 of these, I mean, just in general, you know, kind of what, how long is this going to take? What's it going to cost? Stuff like that. Just our, our kind typical, of in general. Yeah, our, our typical, I'll, I'll tell you, our, our typical price for 1,000 leads for 1,000 names for us to call is $710. So it's, you know, it's about 70, 71 cents per lead that we're calling um, for you guys to, to, to help warm up those leads for you. That's awesome. And also, folks, recognize, too, that um, you're talking to the guy that you're going to talk to. You're going to call Mike Obert. <laughs> now, um, now, some of you are like, OK, now we're getting a little salesy here, Ryan. You know, here's what I'm telling you guys. If I, as a part of this podcast, I'm trying to bring you revenue generating ideas. If you're a senior level seller, take this idea to your boss, not because Mike is my friend and a sponsor of the podcast. <laughs> take it to your boss because this is going to freaking save you literally 40 to 60 hours of time that you could be doing other things. Outsource smaller uh, sales tasks. For more information on Mike and his company, check him out online, open-look.com. Thanks, Mike, for your support of the Ad Sales Nation. All right, friends and fans, my favorite part of the program, your listener questions. Thanks for sending them in to ryan at brainswellmedia.com. Ryan at brainswellmedia.com. And I've got a special guest to help us answer questions today. You didn't know that, did you? Surprise. Mr. Jeff Kozer is on the line. Hey, Jeff. Jeff is the CEO of Selling to Zebras. You might know that name. Have you read the book? The book is Selling to Zebras. And Jeff is here with us to answer these listener questions. All right, Jeff, here we go. First question. Um, Robin from Oklahoma City. Robin's question is, hey, Ryan. And I hear this one, by the way, a lot, Jeff. That's why I keep bringing it up. Hey, Ryan, uh, my manager is really big on call volume versus call quality. 
We are now being asked, ready for this, Jeff? Dun, da, 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 drum roll. <laughs> We're now being asked to make 65 outbound sales calls a day. And Robin's question is, what can I do to make these 65 <laughs> outbound calls more effective. So Robin, we're here. We're here to help. But Jeff, what are your thoughts on call volume versus call quality? I know we covered it a little bit um, in our previous segment, but what are some your other thoughts on if you've got a boss that's all about the volume, not about the quality? Well, I used to have a boss like that, and it goes back about 30 years, and I think that's where it should have stayed. <laughs> <laughs> um let me ask you a question, Ryan. So, so you and I say that you have to prepare and, and we say very similar things. So if you're going to do your homework on a prospect, you, you want to find something about their business. You want to prove that you did, that you, that you cared enough about them to identify what they might care about, some problem you might solve, some way you might create value. And you want to look for some type of a personal link. So if you, if you do those things properly, how many phone calls can you actually make in a day and do it in that way? Yeah, for me, good question. For me, the reason I teach and promote a top 20 list is because I don't feel that you can effectively prospect at any given time effectively more than about four in the morning, five days a week, four times five is 20. The way the pattern works though, the four that I call on Monday morning, I'd be reaching out to them again, say on Thursday afternoon. So what I'm doing when I work my top 20 list, and for some of you, it's not going to be enough. You're going to need a top 50 or a top 100. You just have different goals than what I have. I'm working a list of 20 I'm trying to be very relevant. I'm trying to be very specific to them. Four in the morning, four in the afternoon, voicemail and email strategy, a total list of 20. I don't really know how she's doing 65 a day, That, to be honest with you, and doing it well. So we, we say almost exactly the same thing. In fact, JR, who does this for us, he'll do five calls in a day, and he does it three times a week. Mm -hmm. And and he has a list. He has a top 50 list. Um he, but in that top 50, he has a top 20 within the top 50. So he's constantly rotating that top 20 until he exhausts one and moves from his top 50 into the top 20. And that, that allows him to not touch people too often to become annoying. Um, but it also allows him to prepare and, and, and personalize the message and bring a message of increasing value every time he, he touches a prospect because that, that's what it takes and that allows you to create a relationship with them, even if you don't realize you're starting to create a relationship with them. Yeah, agreed. You know, um, so um, Robin, if you've got 65 in an eight hour day, if you did work eight hours, um, you're looking at around, you know, something like, you know, six to eight an hour. I guess my best advice would be if you don't have a software system to help you would be at least to go to LinkedIn, um, which is our next question here from Bill. But at least go to LinkedIn at least when you're reaching out, try to at least make some type of connection like, hey, I saw on LinkedIn that, you know, you used to work in Boston, you know, um, love the, you know, good luck Red Sox or whatever. I mean, some type of connection point. But for me, 65 doesn't make a lot of sense. And Robin, as a side note, um, ah, working for sellers like that, working for VPs like that, that's tough. It's really tough. So do what you're told and uh, do the best that you can to try to uh, make those as personal phone calls as you can. Yeah, as you look for another job. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. 
Um, no, Robin, it leads us to a question from um, uh, Bill in, in Vegas. And Jeff, I'd love to get your feedback on this. But Robin, it will be applicable to you. Bill in Vegas um, asks this. He says, Ryan, I think LinkedIn is flat out creepy. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. So thank you, Bill, for, for your emphasis there. Um, what can I do to get over this? And do you really feel like it is uh, effective? Um, Jeff, I think LinkedIn is one of the best sales tools um, that is out there uh, to sales professionals. Um, what do you think? What are your thoughts on LinkedIn? I, I love LinkedIn. I, I've I've been leveraging LinkedIn for over 10 years. Um, in fact, a guy who's local to me wrote a book on LinkedIn tips for, for leveraging it in business before anybody even knew what it was. And I, I met with him and I, I thought he did a great job on it. Um, I think it allows you to be real and genuine um, with a prospect. And I, I suppose if you use it wrong, it could be creepy. Uh, sure. But I think it's laid out as one of the best tools available for, because it allows you to have a relationship with who you want to. It allows you to reach out in a way that causes someone to want to engage with you or not. Um, and you always have a choice. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, people ask me all the time. Um, they say, could I, should I be surfing, if you will, LinkedIn in anonymous mode? And I say, no, um, I want people to know that I'm looking at them so that when I reach out to them, it's, it's actually not creepy. Now what's creepy is with some of those people out there that shall remain nameless, um, on Facebook and Instagram that are selling these sort of get rich, get rich programs, Jeff, um, and they're saying that you should look at someone's Instagram page personally and mention, make reference to what personally is occurring. Like, for example, hey, Jeff, I saw that you and uh, your wife went on a vacation to Aruba. Very cool. And love those swim trunks, by the way. You know, um, <laughs> now that stuff is that type of stuff is creepy. And by the way, Bill, um, I had a group of, of millennials in front of me in New York City about four months ago on a project. I said, oh. Ooh, ooh, I've got all you millennials here, and I'm the oldest guy in the room, and I'm only 46, but I've got the old, you know, oldest guy here. Let me ask you a question. If I go on Instagram, and when I'm connecting with you, I mention something from Instagram, like a vacation or something, do you think that's cool? Does that make me cool? And they all looked at me, and I know what they were thinking. They were thinking, oh my gosh, old man, no, that doesn't make you cool. What somebody, they said like collectively, Jeff, that is creepy, is what they said. <laughs> So, um, you know, my thought on LinkedIn is use it, um, exploit it. Here's what I do. And Jeff, tell me what your thought is on this. I always say, I would say, Jeff, in preparation for our sales call, I saw on LinkedIn um, that you used to work for so-and-so. I know somebody that worked there or I, that's very cool. Tell me more about it. That's how I use it. What are, you, what are your thoughts on using the information uh, from LinkedIn? Well, first of all, I like the phrase in preparation for my call because it says you cared enough to do that. Yeah. Um, and you you studied it over and, and and you found a connection and and then I can determine whether or not that connection feels authentic to me or not. And and that's that's one of the things I've learned from one of our young guys, Jr. I mean, he doesn't you he comes up with lots of ideas for a call, but he doesn't make a call until he feels like he's found one that feels right to him. Right, right. And I mean, I think I would even if, in looking at your LinkedIn profile, I might have said, you know, oh man, you know, you worked for Bain. Tell me about that um, because you know we I know so much about it. You know, tell me tell me about it. That's really cool. Tell me about it and those type of things. 
So um, even if someone had a bad experience at a, a workshop before coming to where they are now, uh, usually people find it to be pretty intriguing that you took the time to go and look them up on LinkedIn, usually. So um, any other thoughts on that one, uh, Jeff, before we move on? Well, I have over 4,000 connections on LinkedIn, so I obviously believe in it. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. Um, okay, good question, Bill. Um, so uh, get over it and yeah, update your profile. Get your all-star profile and um, make sure that your picture is current and relevant. I recently looked up somebody. Clearly the picture uh, was from high school, so uh, make sure you uh, update it. If you have a mustache now, update your picture, okay? <laughs> <laughs> All right, last question uh, from Steph in, uh, in New York City. Steph asked this question, Ryan, our company is very big on mass email sales marketing. I feel like the emails are beginning to be ignored, and as a matter of fact, I feel they're harming us in the sales process. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Any thoughts on convincing my company to try a different uh, direction? So for me, Jeff, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this. I know that there's a purpose for mass emails. I get it. I understand. Um, I just feel like they're getting ignored. And I feel like when I send my emails to somebody that I feel are a lot more relevant, I'm getting a better response. Um, What are your thoughts on the mass email marketing thing? Like you, I think it's necessary for softening the beaches, um, but they have to be done in such a targeted way that that it doesn't feel like it's a mass email. Otherwise, they don't get read. They don't get opened. I I, I get probably in the neighborhood of of 75 emails a day that I don't read. (laughs) And, And we, you know, we're not that big a company, but our our spam filter gathers them. And I time it because I, like you, help companies with penetration messaging and, and, and putting something together that is worthy of an executive reading it. And I spend exactly 15 seconds a day on those 75 emails. And the only ones that end up in my inbox are ones where I know the sender or the subject line resonates. And that's pretty rare. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. The effectiveness, um, you know, whether it's a company like Salesforce um, or bigger companies uh, like Constant Contact, we're learning the effectiveness of sales emails is dropping dramatically because everybody gets hundreds of them uh, in their in their inbox. So, um, you know, Steph, for me, I think that uh, a lot of it is just understanding it's a part of the circumstance. Marketers feel like they have to do it. Uh, maybe some conversations with them about uh, about using software to customize uh, email blasts. And maybe just taking over yourself and realizing that you want to use some of the tactics we've talked about in this podcast and others about being highly, highly relevant in everything that you send to somebody is really going to get a response uh, more than these mass emails. But, hey, it's a part. I hate to say, um, Jeff, I don't know if you are like me. I hate the statement, it is what it is. Um, My kids say that. I'm like, guys, stop. It is what you make it. Um, So uh, understand, Steph. It's part of it's part of what's going on out there, and so maybe as you come across articles um, that talk about this kind of topic, uh, maybe forward some articles to them or things like that. But you control you, Steph, so you can get out there and, and make some, you know, some thoughts and, and and emails that are a lot more relevant. So, all right, good questions from Robin, Bill, uh, Steph, uh, Jeff. Any uh, thoughts before we uh, wrap up the podcast? Any final uh, thoughts before we uh, send people on their way to get out in the street and and start selling some more stuff? Well, maybe just one on that last topic that that 
because of marketing automation, even really good messaging isn't even being read today. So that's something that a person has to think about, which is why that subject line has to resonate. If, if it's going to an executive, chances are the executive's assistant is reading it and he or she is killing most of those before it even gets that far. So think, put yourself in their shoes and ask yourself, would I read this email rather than going home to my family? Right. Because <laughs> that's the competition. Yeah, it really is, especially in the era of, you know, work-life balance. You know, you really got to ask yourself, I only have time for so many emails in a given day. Why the heck would I pay attention uh, to yours? So, all right. So, uh, Jeff, thanks so much. That's uh, Jeff uh, Kozer has been our guest uh, for the show today. Uh, SellingToZebras.com is where you can find out more about Jeff and his fantastic team uh, and the software. And if you've not read the book, obviously you need to uh, pick up a copy of the, of the book as well. So, Jeff, thanks for, uh, thanks for taking the time today. We sure appreciate it. Thank you, Ryan. You do a great job. I appreciate being here. Absolutely. And that's it. There's our podcast for the month. Big thank you once again to Mike Obert from Open Look Business Solutions, Charity Huff and Shannon over at Digital Agency, January Spring. And of course, the official CRM provider of the Ad Sales Nation is the magazine manager and the newspaper manager. You know, we've got uh, 17, 18 hours of training available for you online. So be sure to go over to 360adsales.com and check that out. Also, you can find the podcast, blogs, and all kinds of other great information, 360adsales.com, 360adsales.com. And my email address is easy. It's just ryan at brainswellmedia.com, ryan at brainswellmedia.com. Reach out. Any questions? Happy to answer your questions. Love to train your team. Love to send you some books. Love to coach your team. You name it. We're here to help you make your ad sales dreams come true. Sounded kind of creepy, didn't it? (laughs) We're going to make your ad sales life bigger, badder, and better. All right, friends, remember if ad sales was easy, everybody be doing it. And they're not. So we're either crazy or we've found a career that will feed our families for a lifetime. All right, friends, God bless. We'll see you out on the streets. 